This is the Legacy United Methodist Podcast. All right. Hello, thank you very much. Uh, This is my first time doing something like this, so this is uh, new territory for me. So uh, we're just going to dive right on in and uh, look into what God has for us tonight. Um, As you know, we have been looking at trees in Scripture and looking at the lessons that we can learn from events that happen around these trees or the metaphors uh, which surround these trees. Um, Today we're going to look at Moses and an extraordinary encounter that he had with God. And this particular encounter uh, was centered around a tree, of course. So um, sometimes, uh, for one reason or another, we don't... Uh, pay attention or don't see normal everyday things, let alone extraordinary things. For example, um, I'm thinking of a commercial that you've probably seen on TV. There's a couple in their living room, a lady sitting on the couch, she's reading a magazine or something. Her husband is frantically looking around for his glasses. They're on top of his head. He's looking, he's looking, and he can't find them. He finally asks his wife, have you seen my glasses? And she sweetly looks up at him and says, oh, they're around here somewhere. <laughs> what a mischievous lady, right? So, <laughs> so that's totally something I would do too. Um, I usually keep my glasses on my head, so if they're not on my head, that's when they're lost. But um, that's how I operate. But I think it's funny that we, we can um, overlook simple, simple things And uh, tonight we're going to try to look at beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary. So first um, we're going to do a brief overview, uh, build some context around the life of Moses. Um, You may or may not have known that he lived 120 years, and his life can be divided into three 40-year segments. The first 40 years were formative years. Uh, when he was in Egypt, and he kind of lived a life of privilege as the adoptive son of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, the second 40 years uh, were, were years of preparation uh, in the land of Midian. He, um, after killing an Egyptian who was beaten up on some Israelites, he had to flee. So he fled to Midian. He married uh, the daughter of uh, one of the Midianite priests there, and uh, and took on the job of taking care of sheep. So from a palace to sheep pasture. Um, So the third 40 years are years of amazing, incredible, huge activity for Moses. Um, Initially, after God's calling, he's pushing back a little bit. He says, I'm not sure you got the right guy here. Um, But eventually he, he consents, okay, Lord, I'm in, I'll do this. Um, And he, you know, he makes mistakes along the way. He's not perfect. He's like us. We're like him. Um, so his temper got the best of him on occasion, and I can relate to that. I, I've had temper problems in the past. So, um, you know, we, he, he screwed up plenty of times, and just, just like us. So, um, so you know the ten plagues, you know the exodus out of Egypt. I'm not sure if you realized how large the group was that came out of Egypt. Um, it's estimated to be about two million people that he led out of Egypt, and uh, also included a bunch of animals and all the loot that they got from the Egyptians. So this was a huge group of people. Um, sometimes it's referred to as a multitude, a throng. Um, so, so these years for Moses were pretty action-packed years in uh, the Lord's service. 
So uh, now we can take a look at our scripture for tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can uh, look up Exodus 3, verses 1 through 6. It should also be on the screen. Yes! I sent all this to Lois, so she took care of it also. Thank you, Lois! Um, so let's take a, take a look here. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, and here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, you've probably seen mysteries and crime dramas where there's an evidence board, much like that one. And they're connecting, there's red string. I brought some red string with me because we're going to do some connecting tonight. Uh, looking at evidence, looking at people and places, patterns, uh, motives, all that kind of a thing. And they're, you know, they're trying to piece together all the evidence to see the big picture and solve the mystery. And, and I have found over the years in my time in Bible study uh, that this works the same way. Um, I look at it in a similar way. I find it very fascinating and and my mind is always going pew, 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 looking at all these different connections. Like, what is this? Is this connected? Is it not connected? So we're going to go back to our scripture verses for tonight and make a few observations and red string connections from the text. And now we're back. Okay, so our first connection um, is a recurring theme that we see in scripture, and that is uh, shepherd imagery. So the first red string, shepherd imagery. We see Moses... What is he doing? He's doing his normal, everyday job, which is tending sheep. He's, uh, it's an ordinary day at work. He's, doing, he's been doing this for 40 years, and probably not super exciting. And where is he? He's the far side of the wilderness near Mount Horeb. Um, the interesting thing I find with um, shepherd imagery, like I said, you see it throughout Scripture, you know, you know, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You, um, John 10, 11, Jesus says of himself, I am the good shepherd. Um, there's a verse in Isaiah, you know, we like sheep have gone astray. So over and over again, quite repeatedly, we see in scripture shepherd imagery. So when you're reading your Bible and you come across that, make a little side note for yourself. So when we look ahead now into verses two and three, what does Moses see? He sees a bush on fire, but not burning up. So a, a fire that doesn't destroy things is pretty extraordinary, I would say. And uh, Moses is very curious. He goes to investigate. And so this next red string I'd like to propose is a string of significance. What is the significance of this fire that's happening? Now, in Scripture, sometimes fire just means fire. Sometimes fire is a reference to God's wrath. And in this particular instance and in several others, Fire is an indication of God's presence. And we see this most notably 
um, in the tabernacle later on. The tabernacle was a, a tent. It was a, a portable dwelling place uh, for the Lord God, which he you know, gave specific instructions to, to the Israelites to build, and they did. And uh, you would see this, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And uh, when they were supposed to get up and move, the pillar moved and the whole camp, which was surrounding the tabernacle, they, they packed their things, they got up and they got on the road, right? And then when the pillar stopped, they stopped and they set up camp. So every day and every night, they saw this pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. And... Um, I just think it's so cool. One, I think the tabernacle is right in the middle. And when you think of Emmanuel, God with us, this was God with them. And it was very visible to them day and night for those 40 years that they were in the wilderness. And, uh, and I think it was probably encouraging and reassuring for Moses. Um, you know, those last 40 years of his life, which were action-packed, to see evidence of God's presence every day. Um, I bet he needed it because there were some tough days that he had to face. And uh, it was good to know that that's the same God that he saw at the burning bush years ago. So, um, so I think the fire is pretty significant and it's worth taking note of. So then when we move on to verse 4, we see there is a call and answer. And this red string I like to call pattern. It's a, it's a, a connection of patterns. Um, throughout Scripture, i got to stop playing with this string. Um, throughout Scripture, uh, we see some recurring patterns here. So here, God came to meet Moses right where he was. He says, Moses, Moses, and Moses replies. So he's calling Moses by name. He's saying, hey, come over here. I want to talk to you. And Moses says, okay, here I am. So we see this with Abraham. We see this with Jacob. We see this with Moses. We see this with Samuel. So if you spend any time, or if you use like Bible Gateway apps or anything like that, if you just type in here I am, um, you'll get some references and you'll find some of these places where this kind of pattern comes up. And uh, there's a similar pattern, a little different in Isaiah when God's speaking with Isaiah and says, who will go? And he says, here am I, send me. So it's, it's an interesting pattern to see a call and answer in Scripture. Um, you might not find it very interesting, but I do, so I like patterns. So, um, verse 5, we move on. This, um, this string of connection, this red string, I like to call culture. This is the red string of culture. So we're looking at Moses He's hearing God's command to take off his shoes. What's the deal with taking off shoes? I mean, they might have been dirty from walking among sheep. I don't know. But um, here we, uh, I looked up uh, on a website called One for Israel, and they had a really good article about this particular topic, and so I wanted to quote it for you. By removing a shoe in the ancient Middle East, a person can be seen to be offering vulnerability, putting themselves at the mercy of the recipient. It is a statement of trust and submission. So if there is anyone we should submit to, it is God, right? And why? Because he is holy, which we see in this reference. You know, take off your shoes. Why? Because this is holy ground. And why is it holy? Because God is holy and he is there. So um, I also want to mention, if you don't like the word submission... Uh, I would encourage you to consider one of its synonyms, which is humility. 
Um, there are several scriptures in Old and New Testament which urge us to humble ourselves um, before the Lord. And so this obviously is a, uh, something that uh, Moses is doing as he's humbling himself before the Lord and obeying this command um, to, to take his shoes off in the presence of God. And so now we get to verse 6. And here is the why, why this whole scenario is going on. And I like to call it the string of motive. It's the red string of motive. This is the purpose of this encounter. This is why God has come here. Um, God wants to reveal something about himself to Moses. I am the God of your forefathers. And if I were to ad-lib a little bit, it'd be like, you've probably heard about me, you might not know a whole lot, so let me introduce myself. So that's kind of how I imagine the conversation, you know, could have gone in a casual way. But, you know, I am the God of your forefathers. And remember, at this point, there are no known written scriptures. Um, Moses had not written the Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy yet. So um, how much did Moses or the Israelites know about God at this point? Eh, maybe not so much. Um, we, we have a, an advantage by having so many years of Scripture available to us. So not so much for them. Um, and what's interesting, too, is this revelation that God gives to Moses is not just for Moses. It's something that... Um, God wants to share with all of Israel. And so if we look at a little farther down in Exodus, in chapter 3, 13 through 15, Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask me, uh, What's his name? You know, another little indication here once again that, you know, Moses isn't too confident that everybody knows who this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is. So what's his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. So this, this is a, a pretty big revelation that God is giving to Moses to give to the people of Israel. And from this point on, things are going to get pretty interesting for the Israelites. So this is a pretty big uh, introduction <laughs> uh, to the people. So now that we've made a few um, observations, red string connections, um, so then the question is, so what? What are the lessons that we can take away from this extraordinary encounter with a tree that wouldn't burn up. Um, I'd like to submit there are three possible lessons that we can glean from uh, this portion of Scripture. Uh, one, if you would like to hear from God, you need to pay attention to the extraordinary events uh, that are taking place right in front of you. Um, be sure to ask yourself, how is God trying to get my attention? I mean, sometimes... We're obviously not even thinking about it, so it helps to even open our eyes and start looking. You know, like when you're 
looking for the Parmesan cheese in the refrigerator and you're looking for the green container, you know, you're looking for it, right? And if it's in a black container, you're in trouble. But if it's still in the green container, if you still have the craft kind, you know, you're, you're actively looking for it. So, um, so be on the lookout, be on the lookout and say, you know, what is God doing? How is he trying to get my attention? Be alert, be curious. Um, curiosity killed the cat, but it's good for us, okay? So, <laughs> so be curious. And uh, another thing I find interesting uh, and something throughout uh, the Old and New Testament is this Hebraic concept of hear and obey, hear and obey, hear and obey. So we saw um, Moses doing this. He heard God's command and obeyed. And then later in Deuteronomy, when God um, speaks to Moses and Israel, he says, hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. So hear, obey. There's hear the command. We also see this in the New Testament, John 10, 27. Jesus says, my sheep, look, sheep and shepherd imagery. Um, sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Listen, follow. My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So we need to tune our ears to his voice. Um, the second possible lesson we can glean from this is um, extraordinary, in, extraordinary encounters can lead to a revelation. So um, we know God isn't random. We know he is intentional in everything he does. He is at work in our lives and in the world, even when we can't see it. And so it would be helpful to, for us to ask ourselves another set of questions. So ask yourself, what is God revealing about himself here? What is he revealing about the work that he is doing in my life? Um, I would also add a little note of caution here. Um, the answers to these questions ought to be consistent with what God has revealed in Scripture. Um, don't want you to come to false conclusions about who God is and who you are in Christ Jesus. So be sure to really look into God's Word and to get to know His character and His ways. Uh, the third lesson that I think we can glean from this is the value of remembering and telling others about our extraordinary, ordinary encounters with God. Um, sharing your story can strengthen and encourage others. And uh, it's also an important safeguard against um, some consequences of rebellion. Um, when we look forward in Scripture, we see over and over and over again in Judges, in um, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, the Israelites got themselves in trouble when they would not remember God, his commands, his promises, his miracles, when they and they would just rebel against God. So, um, and even Nehemiah, when he looks back at Israel's sad history after the exile, he's like, this, this is a pattern we got to stop. So um, we see that remembrance is an important safeguard against rebellion and its consequences. So that's, that's something... It's a kind of a hard thing to hear, but it's a good thing that we need to keep in mind. So with these three ideas in mind, I wanted to share a couple extraordinary, ordinary events that happened in my family's life. Um, when I started trying to remember all these things and writing them down, 
I was amazed actually at how many stories I have because um, I had forgotten a number of them. So I encourage you to take some time to remember and to even write some down because you might be surprised at uh, what the Lord helps you remember. Um, I have a story about God miraculously, miraculously providing food for my family. I have a story about him rescuing our dog in this most amazing way. I have a story about how a friend called me with a scripture verse at the exact time I needed it. I have a story about God helping me through a period of pretty tough suffering and sorrow. And, uh, and then I have a simple little story about a lost earring. I mean, why would God even care about a, an earring? I, you know, but he cares. He cares about the lost. Oh, that was such a big lesson for me. So all these stories I could tell, they just point to the greatness and the goodness of God and, and the work that he was and is doing in my heart, my life, and, in, and that of my family. So, so two stories I want to share with you. Um, like, like God met Moses out walking in the desert, you know, and with the sheep and all dirty and whatnot. My stories take place on dusty roads. So my family lived in Williston, North Dakota, obviously, uh, a number of years ago. And uh, we were 10 miles out in the country. And um, dirty, dirty, dusty roads. And uh, my mom worked for the post office. And she had the, the shift nobody wanted, which was a 4 a.m. to noon shift. So that required her to, you know, get to bed super duper early, which was very difficult because she had noisy children, and um, who always wanted to talk to her at at bedtime, and um, and it severely limited her ability to participate in activities at church or, or even in the community, and she felt pretty bummed out by it, and. Um, some of the people in the church weren't so, super helpful in that area either, so she, she just felt guilty. And, and her normal activity, she'd get up 2.30 in the morning, leave the house by 3.30 to get to work by 4, even in the dead of winter, deer crossing in the street. Oh, that's a miracle too. That was a miracle. Um, I forgot about that one. And um, so she would take that time and just pray with the Lord, uh, have her quiet time with the Lord. And this particular day, uh, she's feeling pretty bad, and she's frustrated, and she's like, Lord, what am I supposed to do? I want to be involved. I can't be involved. I'm too tired. I got too much going on. What am I supposed to do? And the Lord dropped into her heart instantly the words, you just do what I've put in your hand to do. And my mom said, she was very startled and said, what? And <laughs> this was unexpected. This is not the way she thinks. This is, this is not normal. This is, uh, this is extraordinary. So she contemplated it for a little while, and she thought, well, this must be the Lord who's talking to me. And she thought about it some more. I'm like, well, okay, I'll just not worry about this. I'll just do what I'm doing. And... Uh, as our family looks back at this, I think there are three truths, three revelations of sorts that, uh, that this real revealed to us about God. One, God knows our thoughts. I think of Psalm 139. Um, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. The other thing I think we can learn from that, God uses what is in our hands. 
Um, later on in Exodus, after, after Moses is con- conversing with the Lord and kind of not wanting to do what God's asking him to do, uh, in Exodus 4, 1 through 4, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, Throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took a hold of the snake and took it back, and it, excuse me, and it turned back to a staff in his hand. So huh, that just always floors me. What's that in your hand? And that's what the Lord said to my mom. You just do what I've put in your hand to do. Okay. And the third thing I think that uh, this told our family about the Lord is God already prepared work for each of us to do, including my mom, and even in that scenario. So I think of Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this encounter my mom had with the Lord, just driving to work on a dark early morning, you know, God met her where she was, he encouraged her, and he let her know, you know what, you're doing what I want you to do right now, so it's okay. And um, that was, that's been an encouragement for me for many years, actually, when I think back to that. The uh, other story I wanted to tell you, it's not quite as long. Um, same dirty, dusty roads, driving into town one evening, uh, going to a, a special church event, I can't remember exactly what. It was mid-1980s, it had been dry, dry, dry drought. We'd been praying for rain for months, maybe even a year. It's just been very dry for such a long time. On this particular evening, praise the Lord, it starts to rain. We're excited. We're driving to town, though. Can't drive with all the rain coming down, so my mom turns on the windshield wipers, and they don't work, so she fiddles with it. Nothing. So she pulls over to the side of the road because the rain's coming down pretty good now and can't really see and drive. So my mom is contemplating what to do. She's like, well, to pray and ask God to stop the rain seems pretty ridiculous at this point. <laughs> and, so, and she said aloud, well, Lord. And then the windshield wipers snapped off of the window, off the windshield. Not just like jump, but they snapped like eight, six to eight inches off of the glass and then popped up and then landed right in the center. My, my brother, my brother's like, did you see that? And my mom and my brother and I are all just looking at, at each other like, yeah, I think we all saw the same thing. And so my mom turned on the windshield wipers and off we go. So we were able to head on back into town and, and do our thing and we were on our way. And this is just windshield wipers? Are you kidding me? This is just not ordinary. How ordinary can windshield wipers be, right? So uh, it's just, once again, God met us where we were. It was simple but memorable. He impressed us that he's all-knowing, and he was gracious, and he answered us in a quirky way that I think he probably got a chuckle out of. I don't know. So, But uh, one of the things I think that um, this little encounter revealed to our family about God is God knows what we need before we even ask. My mom hadn't even finished saying anything with her prayers, like, well, Lord, and the prayer was answered. So I think of Psalm 139, verse 4, 
Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. And also Matthew 6, 8, Jesus is giving instructions on prayer to his disciples, and he says, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. How cool is that? So this week I want to encourage you to take time to pay attention to the extraordinary, to look for revelation, and to remember what God has done and to talk about it. I mean, how cool is it to share some of that, info, that uh, those stories? So with that, let's pray and uh, continue on here. Thank you, Lord, for your word and for your great love for us. Thank you for meeting us in ordinary and extraordinary ways. Teach us how to watch for the extraordinary. Help us to humble ourselves so that we can uh, really hear from you. We want to know your voice and follow you. Help us to remember that we don't have to be perfect. We just need to do what you've put in our hands to do. We praise and glorify your name. Blessed are you, O Lord our God. Amen.